All right, guys, welcome back to another truck cast. I believe this is truck cast 18. Um, want to give you guys a little something to chew on before the end of the year. I'm sure this will be my last episode. I don't know. Fuck it. I might work something out in the final hour when I've got a little bit of time off. But my time off is going to be pretty busy anyway. But uh, I hope everybody has had uh, has had a great hunting season and a great Christmas season. We're not quite at Christmas yet, but I mean, the Christmas season is, like in my opinion, December first through the New Year. So uh, yeah, I hope everybody's had a great hunting season. I literally have not had a hunting season. I, I, I haven't been in the woods one time, and as far as uh, shooting deer because that's basically what I do out of my <laughs> reloading room window because it's not there's nothing hunting about it. It is literally me in my underwear with a cup of coffee after I just rolled out of bed, and then uh, by the time you know I feel it's nothing's probably going to happen. I just got to get back in bed or go to work or whatever. Um, but the touch on that for some of you guys that may be out west and don't realize kind of what. The hunt situation is like in the southeast. It's it's vastly different than what you guys are used to dealing with. So out there, you guys have got a lot of public land, and then you know, you've got private land that you might be able to get tags for or whatever. Down here in the southeast, um, at least in North Carolina, you know we don't have a lot of game land per se. Um, it, it's you mostly hunt on private land. Uh, and we have a lot of hunting clubs. And some of you may be wondering, like, what the fuck is a hunting club? Well, think of it this way. You've got a group of guys that lease a bunch of land. It could be small and a small amount of land and then a small club, if you will, numbers of, of hunters. You typically would want about 100 acres per member right that's where you would really want it to be but you know it could be 10,000 acres spread out over an area or broke up every you know over a, a maybe a county or two or three and then you've got you can have 200 members in it right and you've got all your or 50 members whatever I personally do not like hunting clubs you know my my best time of hunting was me and two other guys we had a lease of like 400 acres and we were all like-minded individuals and, and like-minded hunters as well and we there was no one person had authority over another or no whatever no you showed up you worked you got everything set up for the season back before both season and uh you paid you each equally paid for the part of the lease and we had a good time, and we harvested good deer, and it was, more importantly, there was no drama. There was no drama at all. Hunting clubs, I think, suffer the same thing that a lot of things, like even the internet, where, let's say, a precision rifle Facebook group or even a forum or whatever. People that are very passionate about the shooting, or in this case, be the hunting, when they're not actively doing the activity they want to talk about it or they want something that involves that activity when they can't actually be doing that activity i.e. 
talking about it or in a hunting club case scenario a lot of times more than not it's politics like I don't have time for that and I, I literally it makes me nauseous I've been a, a part of a couple of hunting clubs none that were bad bad but I've seen ones that are real bad but it the hunting club becomes more about what happens inside of with the members than it is about the activity in which they're all there to do which is hunt I think people are they just want something to, to have something to do with what their favorite activity is when they can't do the activity and that's where the drama is you'll see that in like precision rifle groups uh, or forums or whatever where the topic of conversation if you step back and look at it like this is getting nothing done you're throwing around insults or you're bickering over something that does not fucking matter you go shoot if you're not shooting do something else you can do instead of I'm not saying there's not there's not value in great conversation or even in, in, in learning or teaching or whatever but when you got uh, we all know what I'm talking about like you have all seen it and it isn't just hunting it just isn't precision rifle it could be fucking anything it could be about anything and you get a large group of people together that shit is just I think it's a natural tendency for some reason I don't know why but for some reason I think it's a natural tendency and that's where I just go into like complete eye roll mode and I don't want nothing to do with it so that's why I don't want to be part of a hunting club I would love to be part of a lease with friends or even if they're not friends but people that are like minded that we share the work, we share the expenses, and we share the spoils of our labor and investment. And keep it moving. It's, hey, you going tomorrow? Great. Cool. I'll see you there. Or, hey, when you go out there tomorrow, would you mind, you know, putting the corn out at this particular place? Well, yeah, sure. Cool. And then you reciprocate when it's the other way around. You know, and then going out there, hanging by a fire at night, drinking, drinking beer, or, you know, cooking good steaks or whatever. And just shooting shit about life or whatever that that to me is 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 great i absolutely love that but the whole rule book a book of rules and you gotta abide by it or the board or whatever fuck what the fuck like what what is this what is this we're actually doing now on the flip side of that i understand that let's say you get 10, 15, 20, 100 people or more all on in what you would call a hunting club, the greater the number of people, the greater the chances you're going to have an asshole or have a dumbass or have someone that doesn't share the ethics and morals and really just decency that maybe you and all the rest of the people. So in order to maybe get that person away from that or get you know out of this situation you have rules to where you can quote unquote expel people from and then now they're no longer a problem now you don't have to deal with it all this stuff I get it you can't have 50 people on a lease and no rules at all I understand because 
people are fucking stupid. We are stupid. I get it. Just varying degrees. So, but the point of my, still what I stand by is I just, I'd rather not just be a part of that at all. I either want to own the shit or I want to lease it myself or with like-minded people that whom I know. Like, I'm not going to go in on a lease with someone I don't like. Knowingly don't like them. It could be someone I don't know and then I come to find out I don't like them. But then you learn to deal with it. But I'd rather me and a few buddies, hey, we found this guy's landowner. He wants to lease this land to some hunters. Maybe it's a farmer, whatever. And me and my buddies lease it. We you know, we knock it out together. And that's my ideal situation. Without that, right now, I'm at a point in my life where I'd rather just either go somewhere to hunt, like a destination hunt, a trip or whatever, or just shoot deer at the house and fill my freezer and eat them. Cool. If they got a nice set of bone on their head, great. Even better. Uh, that's just where I'm at. And it's just, I can tell I'm getting older because I put less stress on myself about it or time into it and I don't have time for the piddly shit and the, the politics it, it makes me fucking nauseous thinking about hunting clubs and what I know and what I've experienced and what I've seen from other people I'm like man there ain't no fucking way that they'd get my money and me be subject to deal with their asses all the time like there's no fucking way but that, that shit I'll, I'll never do that again that may mean that I don't hunt as much or have as much opportunities to hunt as if I would put up with that. So be it. This this episode isn't about hunting, but it's just something I wanted to touch on in the in conversation. But what this episode is about is a hot topic right now, conversation. Which I think this is a part of what I was just talking about. That's why I'm going to tie this all together. Big arguments on low development and where to place time and energy and importance. What constitutes a good load, how you find it, and statistical analysis of it. Now, I admittedly I have not listened to it. I, I haven't uh, just but I have read basically people explaining what it was about but the Hornady podcast well, I don't even know what their podcast is called but the, the Hornady podcast they they had two guys on that are from Hornady and they basically talked about what they do as far as load development and why they do it and why they don't do what we as precision rifle shooters have come to accept of well, what is the, the average person doing to find a load? What's an average acceptance, or, or I should say acceptable load, or whatever. They're basically saying that what they do, I'll, I'll tell you what they do, and then I'll tell you what, uh, what their takeaway from it was. So they basically just look at book max for charge weight, and drop a grain so if it's 43 grains they drop 42 and then they take their bullet of choice whatever their bullet is measure it to 30 thou jump load it and go to town 
I don't want to put words in their mouth because I haven't I haven't listened to it. Admittedly, I have not listened to it. But to me, what I take away from that is it's almost like chronographs be damned, stream spreads, standard deviations be damned, and group size be damned. Because the reason why is not to say that you won't an inaccurate rifle. That's not what they're getting at. They're not saying that your load doesn't matter or accuracy doesn't matter. They said that if they don't get the accuracy that they're that they want, then they either just change the powder, they change the bullet, or they change the barrel. Okay. Now the average person looks at this of well, I can't just go spend seven hundred dollars on a barrel is because I put you know a few rounds through one and it didn't shoot that one particular load or whatever. I mean, and I get that. Their, their their argument is if it's a good barrel, if it's an accurate gun, then it'll shoot this well. If it doesn't shoot this well, we'll change up the bullet or we'll change up the powder. And if that doesn't work, we're changing the barrel because it's not an accurate barrel. Okay, I get, I get that. I get that. And if you think about the time and energy and money spent in components and maybe dialing in some crazy little load, maybe it evens out. I don't I don't know. Uh, but their, their, I'd say, argument in their favor is instead of doing the ladder test the for your seating depth or your powder charge, is that your little, the, you who do that, your little quarter-inch group that you picked, it's not a quarter-inch load because the number of shots that you took to find it and or proof it, if you will, is so such a low number that it will you're fooling yourself so you think you've got this load that's so much better than this one but in reality they end up over let's say you did 50 shots your extreme spread in either your velocity or standard deviation of your velocity and then extreme spread of your group size will even out like a lot of things where you can talk about anything when there are extreme opposites point of view of either how something works or the best way to do something any of that typically best practices are somewhere in the middle of those two extreme ideas just like anything you can look at politics you know you got extreme right I don't agree with extreme left I definitely don't fucking agree with and I believe somewhere in the middle lies a libertarian. And that's kind of where where I find myself at. And I think in anything else, there are, I think, most time, best, best practice and procedures and opinions probably land in the middle because they take what is useful of both sides and then get rid of what is not useful, right? It's, I guess that's efficiency. So... I, I plan to, for the podcast, just for content, I plan to take my load, so let's say my dasher. I'm going to take because, I mean, I've got what I have always thought to be a killer, very a very killer load. I mean, shooting small groups at 100, shooting small groups at distance, and very good uh, standard deviations, stuff like that, right? And I will say, I 
admittedly have been for the majority of the time that I have been a reloader I have fallen for the majority of that time I have been in the camp of you know scrutinizing my load and trying to perfect it to a to a to a degree and I've only just recently been in the felt like you know what a half inch is a lot better than what most people are going to shoot in any given situation so my my half inch load is or or three quarter inch load my hunting load for the 25 Creedmoor uh, it really was no much load development done to it and I have I'm very confident in it and no it's not a bench rest accuracy but I don't feel that I'm going to ever miss an animal because of that so take that into consideration now I also don't know if I just randomly if I just randomly pick a load that it's going to be equal to or or greater than for sure what I have done in my dasher but that's not the only that's not the only thing to think about it's also what is the discipline if the discipline is to shoot a one whole group in a very static position or with little influence like bench rest like a little physical influence on the firearm in the act of shooting or even F class stuff like that if that's the goal then that's probably not the route I want to take of just 30 thou and a random powder charge and, and go it, it probably isn't but in precision rifle and or hunting I definitely think in hunting it's definitely more viable to go that route with hunting than it is maybe with anything else but in precision rifle you know, we're typically shooting at one MOA, one and a half MOA, three MOA, four MOA targets. And, you know, but there are targets in some matches that they've got some some stages that have some small targets sprinkled in there to where it might be a three-quarter MOA target and or a half MOA target. And statistically, you can't expect to hit, to have a higher percentage hit rate on a target smaller than what the gun and or you are capable of. Now, remember what I just said, and or with you, not just what the gun's capable of, what, what are you capable of. We'll get on back to that in a minute. But I do think, with that said, I think that it has been pretty common practice for the average person that hand loads for a precision rifle a PRS, you know, Johnny PRS I think Johnny PRS definitely spends more time and money and components in dialing in a load that his if your end goal is to have high percentage hit rates and to win a match that's what we're trying to do I don't know that that quarter MOA load that, you know, five shot group that he shot and put on his refrigerator is what is going to make him win or not or even change in placement in the uh, at the end of the match if he got 15th I don't know that he'd have got 14th or 12th if he had dialed his load in more or if he'd have got 17th or 18th if he shot a lesser quote unquote load right um, so I do think there is there's room to meet in the middle 
I hear what they say. And so what I want to do for podcasts is I want to take my dasher load and I want to shoot 50 rounds. And then I'm going to take my dasher. And I don't even remember what my seating depth is at or off the top of my head. It, might, it actually might be at 30 thou. It might be more. But I'll take a 30 thou or change it up to say 20, 20 thou or 25 thou. And then look at book max, subtract a grain from it, and shoot 50 rounds over a lab radar. So it doesn't influence the harmonics of the barrel and then ergo influencing accuracy, but it will record my data to see my spread. Now, with that said, what you could then do, my opinion, is and you could say, all right, well, yes, my hand-tailored load does have a lower extreme spread in group size, and it does have a lower standard deviation in my velocities. But what you can do is, is then look at what, take the worst, uh, let's say the, the random load, and plug it in to your ballistic calculator and see in inches how much different your impact will be. Assuming you do everything right, let's say the gun is a rail gun and there's no human influence at all, but so so to kind of keep it even, and see if the lowest shot and or the highest shot, see what the deviation is in inches and then you could say, okay, how much of that is MOA? Is that going to be within my target if I do my part? Is, is it going to be? I would venture to say it very well could be. So are you going to hit more targets and then place better in a match due to shooting the hand-tailored load that you probably took a lot longer time to figure out? Right, you got to look at it that way, but you also have to take into account this: is are you doing everything in your part to shoot anything the most accurate that that system is capable of doing? If you're not, don't rely on a hand load to hit that target. You have to be the one doing your part. Don't be the loose screw behind the gun. Okay? You get your poop in a group before you go and blaming a miss on your load. I don't think I've ever ever been able to say, man, I missed that one because this load isn't as good. Like, I've never. I have never been able to say that. And the problem is with this is, well, how could you how could you know there are things that are left to the unknown right perfect world maybe in a wind tunnel on a rail gun maybe or not a wind tunnel but like a, a coal mine or whatever right it may, maybe then you can't ex- extra- extrapolate ext- I fuck I can't say the word uh, some data but it can't be 100% because it's always a, well, what if it was me? Or what if it was the wind? What if it was that? Right. I get it. But I think that there is, I think both are right to their own degree. I do think that we as shooters, me, I'm preaching myself here as well, guys. So don't think I'm, I'm preaching from on high. And don't think that I agree with or disagree with 
either camp because I think they're both are right and they're both wrong. Um, you know, but I do think we spend way more time and energy and and resources in in feel goods. I think that's what it comes to, and it's confidence too. Now that, that there's something to be said about that. If you just shot right right before you know, you know zero zero day before you know your first your first day of a two day match. If the last times you pulled, last five times you pulled that trigger before your match starts was in one hole, you are going to go into said competition with a level of confidence that you will not have if it was one inch. There, there is something to that, and to think that that does not affect what your performance would be like is also silly. So you have to think about that too. There's also a mental, a a psychological aspect to what we're talking about. Unfortunately, um, and typically the mind is the problem, and or is a problem, I should say. But something else that I will disagree with. Well, I don't say disagree with, but that I will bring up that isn't taken into account when you're talking about taking a random charge weight, a grain below book max. Let's talk about book max for a second. Book max, if you were to take a Nosler uh, or whatever handbook, take the, whatever the oldest running handbook, uh, loading handbook is, that still has one today. They just printed one in the last couple of years. You look at book max for the same powder and the same cartridge. Okay? They will be different. Now, for a couple of reasons. One, it's powders change. Okay? Powders change. The same powder will be different than you go back in time to that powder 10 years ago. As far as temp stability, burn rate, they, they're not drastically different, but they will be different. But also, and what I think is the the biggest factor in why Bookmax has changed, and or I should say, just the load information has changed, because when you're talking about pressures, and you're talking about suggesting a pressure of a say forty-five to sixty thousand psi explosion going off in front of three inches in front of somebody's face, then you're looking at liability, and we are living in a liability crazy world right now because everyone is so quick to want to sue, and you know for monetary reasons, right? So if I'm you know Baker reloading, and I'm suggesting book maxes. Say, hey, do not exceed this this uh, weight for you know the sake of pressure and safety. Today, I'm gonna be a lot more conservative because you have to take into account people's fucking up, other people fucking up, and you do not want to be in court because this person loaded 43 and a half grains and it blew up when you said. You're the authority. You said 43 and a half grains is safe. Okay. So that is why. Me personally, I typically start at book max. Now, this is what David does. So you fucking do you. Don't do what I do because I said so. You do what you do and you find out what works best for you. But I typically start at book max. So if it says 43 and a half grains, I may start at 
and the next one's 43 and a half and I go up from there so uh, that's what I typically use book max for so what are you doing by taking a grain under for your load let's say your system works like this thing and it shoots one hole it just happens to be a grain under book max and then 30 pound jump well you're leaving a whole fuckload of, of velocity on the table what I would say is I would load in half grain increments starting a half grain below uh, maybe let's say starting at a grain below finding pressure so you're starting a half grain below book max you load one shot each and shoot that at from lowest to highest to find pressure you find pressure you start at one grain below heavy bolt lift. That is a better way to go about this. Okay, let's say you shoot five rounds, or you have five rounds loaded up, and on the fourth round, you found heavy bolt lift. Especially, it's even better if it's on a warm day. Like summer, or early fall, or late spring, whatever. A warm day. Because it's not going to go get worse with cold weather. But you, what you're doing is is the same thing as what they are suggesting you do, except you're not leaving a whole bunch of velocity on the table. Now that also goes not, it also goes to say that you're not typically going to get the most accurate load on the ragged edge pressure. So I'm not saying load at the heavy bolt lift or just a hair under it, but you can still there's there's gray there's gray. But you know, there there's, there's room for wiggle there, so you can do do that way, and I think it's accomplishing the same thing. But you're getting the most out of it. But uh, as far as at the end of the day, if you shot a hundred rounds, do they does the hand tailored load and the random load do they are they the same, or is one better, one worse? And if it is a little worse on the random load is it worth it to you for a, a quarter inch accuracy that's what you got to ask is like is that quarter inch difference worth all the time and effort and resources to get a quarter inch better for what i'm doing with it i think that's that's key there um i, I think it's a it's an interesting topic because believe me i would love to feel confident in loading a, a grain under pressure and 30 foul. So what they say is if it doesn't yield the action they want, they're getting rid of the barrel. They may dig around with another bullet or another powder, but I mean, at the end of the day, if that doesn't work, they're getting rid of the barrel. I don't really like that. Okay. Um, but it is interesting. It would be interesting to find out what does better. So what I plan to do is I'm going to take my dasher load and then I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't even know what fucking book max is on a dasher right now, like with, with Vargan or whatever. I don't even, because I don't really take it into account because it's so, it's so conservative. Um, but with that said, I'm shooting a very conservative load. I'm shooting 31 grains, I think 31 or 31, eight. I can't remember. I think it's 31 grains of Vargan. 
no one has ever had pressure that had a, a properly operating rifle with 31 grains. So I'm not on ragged edge pressure. But that's where I felt the gun shot the best. It felt the best. Saw like recoil, where the the consistency. They they're basically saying that seat and depth kind of be damned. This is really what it comes out to. Seat and depth be damned. And I I can't say that I I fully agree with that. Now, can a gun shoot 30 thou like a lot of bullets? All 30 thou can it shoot it well? I'm sure it can. I absolutely it can. But. Um, you know, and what they'll say is, you look at factory ammo. Factory ammo, let's just say Hornady Six Creedmoor. It shoots well in most rifles. Does it shoot well in all rifles? Probably not. Could you possibly get that Six Creedmoor factory ammo shooting better if you play with seating depth or a barrel tuner or whatever? Yeah, I think you can. Or you can just get another barrel that does shoot it better. I mean, that's that's basically where where you'd be at from there it's an interesting topic it's interesting i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna have to listen to the podcast and uh and make sure i'm not putting words in her mouth and i'm not getting it wrong this is my inter third hand interpretation of what what the subject was about but it uh yeah i, I believe a lot of hand a lot of bench rest and and f-class shooters will would have something to say about it but again, look at what their their uh, the area of um, well, what they're doing. Look at their arena. They're they're shooting tiny groups at distance, whether it be a hundred yard bench rest, six hundred yard bench rest, a thousand yard bench rest, thousand yard F class, whatever. You know they need precision. They don't need accuracy that much. And you know we hit the top of a an ipsic it's going to be just as much of a hit as if I hit it dead center or at the bottom. You just want to hit the target, right? Another thing to think about there too, though, is is these are this is another one of those things that you can't prove it because of our influence and us not having 100% verifiable knowledge of what happened. But there's a line of thinking of, let's say a three-quarter inch group at 100 load versus a quarter inch group right if you shot three quarters of an MOA at every target you're going to win every match you shoot in fuck it precision rifle fuck what you heard I'm telling you right now if you shot three quarters of an MOA at, at every target you are going to win every match you compete in period bar none that's it now what people can think about, and I've thought about this, is my margin of error of me shooting coupled with an extreme spread of a group size, is that going to lend me to miss more targets? Let me, I guess, maybe further explain, better explain what I mean. If I've got, let's say, half an MOA of wobble with three quarters of an MOA of group standard deviation obviously you want to get wobble down but let's just say for the sake of what we're talking about let's say I'm on the outer part of the extreme spread of my wobble at the same time as the round that I am going to shoot ends up at the 
same side extreme spread of the capability of the load that's going to be a miss but if i make my gun as close to a laser beam as possible right so laser is one straight thing right everybody wants oh there's a laser man this gun's a laser that's what we all strive for right if the extreme spread of my group is small enough does it account for or help in my extreme spread of my uh, shooting of my wobble or even wind call now Chris Wade did this like he explained this and he he released a video of it and I think Frank Galley did too because he was with Frank he was kind of showing Frank you know, like on paper with a target and doing math science and shit that's what he did and I will say it is a very, very good argument for if you bring your shooter number down, meaning what you do in either your wobble or your wind calling, fuck that group of the, the ammo group because it is so little at distance compared to what you do as a shooter that it's negligible. Think about that. Oh, if I had a link to it, I'd do, go check out uh, Chris Way's Instagram or Facebook. I know he put it on both. I don't know if it's on YouTube somewhere or not, but check it out because it makes a lot of fucking sense. And uh, yeah, these are all things to think about. And there's going to be people to argue. There's going to be people who think I'm a fucking idiot. There's going to be people who think that the guys from Hornady are idiot. And there's going to be people who think the Air Cortinas or whatever, you know, super in depth hand loader guy. They're going to think he's an idiot. Chances are we're all idiots, but just different varying degrees. And somebody or a mixture of two are probably right. So my takeaway from this and what I'd like to hopefully you guys to agree with and take away from it is go out and shoot. Work on yourself. Not so much spending hours and hours in barrels and powder and bullets and money on your loads you know I may shoot a match uh, next year with a random picked load that maybe doesn't shoot as well as my dasher my current dasher load I may do that just to see it may be it may be the best fucking match of the year for me I don't know it may be horrible you can't pull probably won't be able to pull concrete data irrefutable data from it but if I go out and shoot the best that I've, I've shot with that load it'll definitely make me look that way more you get what I'm saying and like I said I'm in the middle I, I find myself in the middle where I can do a little bit more than that but definitely a lot less than what I've used to do and if you remember from the episode, the last truck cast I did talking about the 25 Creedmoor and and the I, I don't even remember what I don't even remember what the load is like because I spent so little time finding it because it wasn't that I just landed on a killer load like no I would have never in the past landed on this right um, but guys I, at 411 yards with the one I mean I shot it at my target at 511 and shooting great but you know on a small coyote at 411 yards which isn't that far but it's also not super close I fucking hit the hair 
that damn near I was aiming at. Like, that's how good of a shot it was with a sub-normally acceptable load. Okay, now, if I shot five coyotes that they're all that distance, maybe one would have missed it. Maybe, I don't know. But I just feel as though we are, are putting too much emphasis and money and resources and time and then arguing about load procedures. Like, oh, do you... You know, anneal every time. Do you uh, all all of these? You know, uh, corn cob uh, tumbling versus wet stainless steel tumbling. All of these little nuanced things that we you hear every every day. Someone bring up in a forum or a group on Facebook or at a match in the parking lot, get half drunk. We've all been there. We've all heard it. We've all participated in it, me included. I get tired of it. I've grown. Oh, to, it's, it's grown old to me. Like I, I'm done, and I, I'm, I'm definitely done beating my head against the wall trying to find a one whole load when I've got a whole lot of me that I could improve instead of that. And it'd be more fun doing it. I don't enjoy hand loading, so I, it, shooting is a lot more fun. Fix yourself before you go you know, hammering down and spending a whole bunch of time and money on a, on a load. Okay. That's it for the, for the rambling. Um, yeah. So some, this is probably like I mentioned, going to be the last episode uh, of the year. I might surprise myself and surprise you guys with something else, but more than likely this is the last one of the year for next year. This isn't any, uh, I'm, I'm pretty against new year's resolutions. I think it's horseshit and you, you, you use an excuse for saying you're going to do something. You give yourself a, a deadline when you should just say, I'm going to do it today, but plans for the year. I'm hoping to possibly look in, bringing in a visual video element to the podcast, whether that be more on Instagram longer videos and stuff or a fucking YouTube page. Uh, I, I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be a good addition to the podcast and it, it's room. There's room to grow. There's room for podcast to grow. And, uh, and definitely with other people as well. You know, you will, it won't just be me at the house, you know, at the reloading bench or, you know, at my hundred yard berm or whatever. It'll be yeah, other people involved. Um, and I'll leave it at that. But I, I think you guys will probably enjoy that. Um, let me know. Let me know what you think. Let me know in the comments if you, like where you find yourself in this reload topic that we were talking about today. Um, and, you know, let me know what you guys would want to see from the podcast. If you uh, if you added a visual element, what with some, with some stuff. Like I said, it doesn't just have to be precision rifle. I could go take a camera um, to jiu-jitsu. And like, just do some rolls, like just nothing serious and having fun doing that. Or the you know, the kids class, if you're looking at getting your kids involved in jiu-jitsu, maybe you'd like to see one, see kind of what I'm talking about, what I'm doing with the kids. Or if it's like, hey, yeah, uh, just silly stuff, whatever. Let me know. Let me know in the comments what you think. Um, I would like to. I, I'd said at the beginning of this venture of a podcast that I did not want to or plan to monetize this podcast but I think for it to be for it to really grow I'd really have to put in a bunch of time and effort and in order to justify myself doing that I might need to monetize but I don't really want it to be off of you guys 
Like, I don't want you guys, it will never be, you have to pay to listen to me because I ain't that important and my voice don't sound that good. But I, I would like to have, in a perfect world, sponsors, but not precision rifle product sponsors. I don't, I don't want to be sponsored by this gadget and then to say, hey, you know, let me go buy this shit because I, because they pay me money or whatever. I don't want that. I, I would rather, much, much, much rather have something like a fucking beef jerky company. Eat this shit because this shit is the fucking bomb and go do that. I don't want the content of what I give you guys and conversations I get really be skewed or could be accused of being skewed due to monetary gain on my part. I would love a tractor supply. A fucking something that I really like, like a, like a, like I said, a beef jerky. If Ben and Jerry's wasn't su- weren't such communist fucks, I would love to be sponsored by Ben and Jerry's ice cream because fuck what you heard, fish food ice cream from Ben and Jerry's is the best shit. It is nectar from heaven. It's so fucking good. But something like that, you know what I'm saying? That's what I would like to have an ad for, whatever, anything non shooting related or whatever related that where I could ever be accused of hawking their shit for monetary gain. I I have Josh on the podcast so much and I you I I cannot tell y'all how many people I have sent his way through email or message or whatever about barrels, this, that, because they heard on the show. Josh does not pay me shit. I don't get shit for free from Josh. Josh is a good friend of mine, and I'm not trying to pat his pockets. I have Josh on, and I pump his shit so much because I I use it. I pay for it. I use it. I believe in it. If I thought Johnny Come Lately on a lathe was the way to go, then I'd say that. But if Johnny Come Lately is some hot-ass garbage, I'd much rather point you in a direction of getting a product that you like and that works best for you rather than sending you this way and you're like man what the fuck that asshole redneck David told me to go this go to this dude and this is some some shit I don't ever want to feel that way and I don't ever want you to feel that way so that's that's where I'm at with the monetization we'll see maybe there'd be some ad revenue on if I do YouTube or whatever that'd be great where I don't even have to do shit but hey if you're listening to the podcast, let me put this out there. If you're listening to the podcast and you own a business that's like non-precision rifle related and you would like to sponsor the Just Epicenter podcast, maybe you're a sock company. Maybe you got the most gangster socks that has ever graced people's feet and you want to get some some more exposures out of it. Holler at your boy. I would love to try out your socks and say, hey, these these socks are the fucking truth. Do your feet a favor, buy some of these socks. I would love to work with you, something like that. But if you're a scope company, I don't even, I don't even, want, even if you're tangent theta or zero compromise, I love both of your companies. Vortex has been always been great for me back when I shot with them. Uh, you know, whatever. But I don't, I don't want you to sponsor the podcast. I'm sorry, that's just not the route I want to go. So, guys. Uh, I'm going to quit. I'm going to get me some lunch. 
I appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate everybody's patience. And hey, hit me up in the comments. Talk to me what you uh, what you want to hear, what you want to see, stuff we talked about, what you're thinking about. It. You uh, think I'm an asshole? Let me know. I already know it. Um, but everyone have a wonderful Christmas season. Okay, Christmas is my favorite time of year, and it's for the feels because I get all the feels at Christmas. It just feels, and it's actually cold. It's actually cold right now in North Carolina on Christmas. I think the last couple Christmases I've been in like shorts and a long sleeve t-shirt or some shit. Nah, it's going to be colder than fuck for East North Carolina on Christmas Day. The only thing to make it better be snow. It's going to feel like Christmas, guys, and I'm excited about it. Uh, if you are in the areas that this weird-ass cold winter storm from Siberia or some shit is coming from, take care of yourselves. Get your generator right. Get your get your, your gas right. Get your, your pets. Take care of your animals. Take Take care, be safe, and uh, I hope everyone has a safe holiday. Um, anyway, if not, I will hear, you'll hear back from me after the first year. Thanks, guys.